This is Lincoln A to Z. Lincoln A to Z. Lincoln A to Z. We've chosen 52 squares at random from the Lincoln A to Z street map. E and And now we have to go to all 52 and make a program about each and every one. Lincoln A to Lincoln Z. Lincoln A to Z. Each week we'll be setting off on our trusty bikes to find a different grid. Lincoln A to Z. We could find ourselves in a leafy residential area, a bustling city street, or a completely empty field. We'll present our findings every week here on Siren FM as we uncover Lincoln one grid at a time. Lincoln A to Z. 52 grids, two men, one map, no clue. Yeah, that's right. This is Lincoln A to Z. I'm Paul Tyler on the East Midlands Station of the Year, Siren FM. And we're doing things a little differently with this particular edition of A to Z. But before we come to that, let's hear the grid randomly selected by a member of Joe Public for this programme. Hi there, I'm Nick. I've lived in Lincoln for 13 years and it's boring. Oh, it's a pink one. It's N11. Right, another one, don't Right then. That is CB3. CB3. So, thanks to Nick for selecting this CB3, the centre grid of our city centre cutaway from that Lincoln A to Z map. And as this is the case, we wanted to do something special. So a plan was hatched for me to spend 24 hours within our CB3 grid to find out just what happens in the cycle of a day in the city centre of Lincoln. Just before seven o'clock on a Thursday morning, and I've, I've plunked myself in the centre of town, uh, in the centre of our grid square, and this this is going to be my home now for the next twenty-four hours. The only place that's open is, is one of the high street coffee retailers. Uh, and as you look around the, the few stragglers uh, that are heading out to work at this time, uh, caffeine and in some cases sugary energy drinks uh, appear to be the order of the day. This is what's fueling uh, everyone to, to get to work and, and try and try and see the day through. gone 7 30 now and getting a little busier uh, so the commuters are uh, are picking up uh, 
you can tell the commuters because they, they, they walk in with intent and purpose and I, I suppose right now I feel, I feel a bit cocky yeah I've got to spend 24 hours out here but uh, I've not got to go and do whatever they've got to do So once the morning commute is over, the dynamic in, in the city centre uh, changes quite dramatically from suits and ties and school uniforms, uh, you know, people having to get somewhere uh, for a particular time and purpose. And it changes to people without a schedule, uh, people perhaps of more maturing years. Uh, uh, they, uh, they all get dropped off uh, by buses from from the suburbs and, and the satellite villages uh, to come in and, uh, and spend their money because they, they are the ones with the money. Um, they're the ones that bought their house. Well, it was, it was relatively expensive at the time, uh, but their house is worth a lot more now and they're, they're probably chipping off bits of that house to come and, come and spend it in the town now. fallen on, on quite a good place to spend a day uh, just because of the the variety that's just in a, in a very small circle um, people with a low income can spend money where I am people with uh, a lot of disposable cash uh, can spend money where I am um, there's a high-end hairdressers uh, but I can also see a sign for uh, I don't think I don't think I'm going to see a better shop name today uh, the Barber Black Sheep, <laughs> uh, which is just is just the best. Um, I, if I don't get my hair cut there before the end of the year, then there's something seriously wrong in the world. Uh, <laughs> as, as, as well as fantastically named hairdressers, there's discount bookstores, a pound shop. Uh, and basically everything, everything I could need. When I first sat down here, familiarising myself with my surroundings today, I sat next to the Edinburgh Woollen Mill. And I was very surprised it's still going. Um, I thought I'd be sitting here being surprised at how they were still going with, with so few people uh, walking through the door. There is a constant, constant stream grey-haired ladies uh, coming in out uh, and feeling the uh, feeling the quality of the material. By my watch, it's 12 o'clock, which uh, in any civilised society is lunchtime, dinner time if you like. It's, uh, it's interesting to see in the town centre how, how people go about it. Um, well, certainly from the street view, it would look like it's uh, eating on the go. Everyone's uh, eating while they move. Other options food-wise is uh, the outside, the alfresco dining. 
some ladies who lunch with a, a large glass of white uh, outside. It's not really the weather for Alfreco dining. They've uh, they've gone in, which I think is uh, disgusting. The smokers amongst the group. Uh, they obviously want to sit outside and smoke their way through lunch. Dancers, you could take about a minute, maybe two minutes on them these days because we've just seen so many. The market's been saturated. You know, those guys are just so talented. They can move things, they can, they can bend things that uh, I, I've forgotten how to bend. Um, they, they struggled to get the crowd going. Um, they didn't struggle to get any money. Plenty of people were leaving money in their hats. They struggled to get everyone clapping along. Uh, you know, they were trying to get everyone clapping along. They seem to have an American accent, so I suppose they, they, you know, they, they may well be used to uh, people whooping and a hollering at, at any, <laughs> any given opportunity in America. But uh, here, in, on the high street in Lincoln, uh, there was one guy joining in the clapping, uh, and he was the guy that went to him uh, afterwards to try and sell him one of his own music CDs. Um, so, you know, even he had an ulterior motive. Everyone's on the make. Breakdancing, busking boys may have gone, but uh, it's this kind of it's the chill-out time of the afternoon, I suppose. It's the time when people like to like to sit down. Men like to sit outside shops waiting for indecisive wives. The town seems to be packing up quite early, uh, only mid-afternoon, and uh, the people holding the uh, the signs for the restaurants—they've gone. But it does—it seems like most people's business is done for the day, and it's still only mid-afternoon. Few people looking a little bit lost. The High Street Cafe is still full, obviously, from, from the second I got here this morning uh, until the second it closes. Uh, their, their till just keeps on ringing. Builds up almost in an instant. It's like everyone's rung a bell. <laughs> Get in your cars, go. It's wacky races time. So this marks the end of the daytime, I suppose, where uh, some of these people will leave the town centre, go home, get washed and changed, and come back to the town centre uh, to eat and drink. are closing. Uh, people are saying thanks but no thanks. The time where employing people to stand in a shop for the amount of customers that actually want your goods 
when it's crossed over. Um, there are less customers than staff now, so that's it. The doors are closing up for the other day. seems the end of most people's day um, and just after six o'clock I've not even reached a halfway stage of being uh, out in our grid for 24 hours and I, the last couple of hours I was, about, I was about to say oh they've been tough you know this isn't tough <laughs> it's entirely my choice to be where I am um, and no one's forcing me to be here this is this is not tough um, but what it has brought is a sense of realisation uh, of what it must mean to, to be out all day and not have somewhere you can go. I mean, I'm starting to realise that one of my limitations uh, would be surviving on a street uh, if, I, if I didn't have uh, the security uh, of a home and a family uh, to look after me. Briefest of lawns, uh, where where things start to settle down and I feel a little bit like uh, like they did when I started at seven o'clock this morning, uh, and it's now approaching seven o'clock in the evening. Things are starting to move again. Things are starting to pick up. Things are starting to reset. It's like seven o'clock is a is, is a reset time. Something completely new to the day. Uh, this is what seven o'clock in the evening brings round, um, and it's it's not revelers they'll come later now before the revelers get here this is a time for businessmen uh, but it's not businessmen it's businessmen in casual clothing pastel t-shirts maybe uh, ill-fitting jeans uh, but usually quite smart shoes uh, I would say they have a uh, quite a good sense for for shoes uh, but they're coming out they're entertaining they, they don't want to be with each other they want to be with their families and friends although they're out and although their families are at home getting annoyed that they're out on business um, they don't want to be there. No, no one wants to be there. Um, but somehow, business has leaked out of the office, and they're saying, "Well, yeah, you know, we get a few pints, and yeah, yeah, we get a bit on expenses, and yeah, yeah, we get a free meal." But that's only adding to the waistline. They're making that pastel T-shirt stretch even further. Sound of the cathedral bell has been going off for the last half an hour or so, and they must signify a certain time of night here because it's very much date time. Uh, a high street chain of fancy pizza restaurants is full of couples gazing into each other's eyes, trying not to argue, uh, trying to make the most of, uh, of a night out. Or those that have just met are very much trying to impress. Um, although that guy with a high ponytail, he's not going to impress anybody, but uh, the businessmen have left us 
and we're now in Couples Kingdom, uh, which must be nice. They're all inside restaurants, so they can't hear the cathedral bells. Uh, if, if, if I was, <laughs> if I was out, I'd say, "Oh, I've arranged that for you." Uh, and uh, yeah, you I mean the date's only going to go well from then on in, isn't it? <laughs> For me, officially nighttime. That's when the House of Fraser lights go out. You sort of notice, you do notice a change at that time. It's like it's some kind of trigger. That pack of four young men with four different aftershaves making one new smell. They're on the prowl. It's early days. It's early days yet uh, in the evening. This is how it starts. I just want you to remember this. this is how it starts. So earlier on today, I lamented when the uh, the portable signs for the restaurants. Uh, disappeared. Well, well, the portable signs have returned, not this time for restaurants. Uh, this time it's for a strip club and something called Entourage. How are you guys? Feed for you? Well, now, a short while ago, someone, uh, someone walked past and among the millions of conversations I seem to have picked up on today, uh, he was suggesting that the game store uh, the, the, the place that's selling uh, the new FIFA game uh, would be open at midnight and, uh, and there would be a massive queue uh, down the street uh, for it so, uh, uh, but it does add a, a, a quite unusual dimension to the street actually now because there was a point when all the shops shut earlier uh, and all, all that was available was for you to, to fill your face and, uh, and, and, and drown your sorrows um, and, and now they're, uh, they're in retail land. It looks like some of the, uh, the, the shop staff are, are even coming to the front door to say, yes, yes, we're actually open. Uh, this is actually a thing. Well, ultimately, uh, I started to get excited uh, about the FIFA release at midnight. Uh, as more and more people started to arrive uh, and the guys started putting them in in lines uh, according to their status whether they're paid or not prepaid pre-ordered that kind of thing uh, and there are still still parents kicking around here uh, in cars uh, friends who've, uh, who've dropped people off uh, in order to get to the game shop to get their, their FIFA 15 but I was hoping for a countdown to midnight you know a bit like New Year's a bit something a bit of something exciting but uh, 
there's no sense of occasion though. It's just a case of uh, tills ringing, give us your money. getting a little bit a little bit messy there's been a couple of uh, uh, women arm in arm um, and, and, and not in like a, a fun way kind of like um, in, a, in a consoling way someone was very upset uh, and someone was consoling her uh, and also there was um, in, a, in a very different way uh, as, the, as the sexes do do things like this very differently uh, one lad pushing another lad up the wall and it wasn't it, it was like a matey push as if to say Come on, mate, sort yourself out. You're not going to get into the club looking like that. And he wasn't either. I mean, he was all over the place, this guy. But uh, he did seem to snap out of it uh, quite quickly once his mate had had a, had had a word. And I think, I think we've all been there. The squaring up. Come on, you'll never get in like that. Put your, put your socks over your shoes. Then it'll look like you've got black shoes on, that kind of thing, you know. Swap jumpers. We might get in this time. You know, that, that kind of thing. Well, some kind of point has been reached. I, I, it's hard to know what kind of point because there's no point to be had out of what just happened. Um, someone who looked like uh, she, she worked in an office, definitely dressed in office clothes. She had either a really good day at the office or a really bad day because she came staggering over. And uh, she said, are you, um, are you, um, and she couldn't find the words, so she just sat down uh, and stared at me, at which point, You've got to. The only thing you can do from that is walk away. In this situation, you find yourself asking, "Well, could could you have done more? Could you have uh, helped her find a way home?" Uh, but it's tricky because you know, two seconds later, a boyfriend. You know, the experience tells you now that a boyfriend could walk around the corner, and you've landed yourself in a heap of trouble uh, just by talking to someone. Um, and uh, you know, I'm responsible for me. Um, unfortunately, uh, she's responsible for getting uh, in that state. Although she, she looked, she looked quite happy. Um, so there's, there's something. Maybe she just needs to have a bit of a sit down and a think, uh, and she'll ponder on home. So if she makes it to work in the morning, probably still dressed in those same clothes. Aggravated and a little bit amorous uh, 
And I'm going to use, I'll just use those two words. You can paint a picture. You've seen uh, you've seen the Daily Mail pictures uh, a couple of days after New Year, and they, they show pictures of Newcastle and Cardiff. Um, well, it's not quite that. Um, I think of it as a light version of that, a diet version. And sometimes the aggravation is mixed in with the uh, amorousness as well. I mean, it, you know, it's uh, it's a confused old cooking pot that I'm looking at on this high street. interesting to me uh, that people are still going out and dancing to early 90s Will Smith but, but what was even more interesting was uh, a BMW that pulled up and uh, a guy got out and I, I think he, it's fair to say he separated uh, a young couple it was obviously the female of that couple's uh, parents uh, a mum and dad both in the car um, and uh, she took a little bit of persuading but eventually, eventually got in the car it's got to be a bit embarrassing all round, doesn't it? Everyone involved in that. No one comes out of that looking good. Crikey. As a father, that's... No. No, you don't. no one wants to see that. No one. tomorrow off work. Some of town resembles uh, a scene from The Walking Dead, you know, there's, there's, the, the, it's, it's very basic survival instinct is to, is to get home from this time of day uh, from being in a state uh, and that means grabbing the nearest form of wheeled transport to take you where, where you want to be. Taking home is just a survival instinct. It's what we've evolved into. Um, you know, monkeys can uh, swing from trees uh, with using their tail as balance. We've evolved negotiating a taxi ride home. Some people going home alone. Uh, some people going home in uh, in the gangs of girls and boys they came out in. But others, uh, others have been a bit more amorous. Some even in shop doorways. And, and some of those enjoying a nice moonlit stroll home. 
hear that sound just gone 430 and this is as near as you get to the city sleeping silence is only really broken by the occasional death threat sweeper and the heroic litter pickers coming to clean up everyone's filth from yesterday. As daylight hits the sky, it can mean that we're coming towards the end of our 24 hours, which has, well, it's taken in commuters fueled by caffeine and sugary drinks, through to the pensioners shopping for fleeces, and they hand the city over to the people stuffing their faces as quickly as they can on the move, trying to make the most of their lunchtime. And then things relax a little, they chill out in the afternoon just before the restaurants spark open and a certain clientele, well they leave, they leave town just before the young revellers come and party and make one heck of a racket until very early in the morning, till 4.30 in the morning, which gives only then a brief time for the city to breathe a sigh of relief before it all happens again Twenty-four Hours in CB3 was presented by Paul Tyler and produced by Johnny Hall. So that was our City Centre Grid CB3 and what a day it was. Now, as this show is a little different, we wanted that broadcast to almost be a standalone piece. However, for each and every Lincoln A to Z programme, we discovered the history of our grids. So here's Joanna Hughes from the Lincolnshire Archives to tell us what used to occur in our CB3 grid. This grid square sits plonked right in the core of the medieval city. To say it's rich in history and archaeology would be like saying that Leo Sayer had slightly wavy hair. The centuries of churches, monastic buildings, shops, markets, hostelries and inhabitants, which once crowded into this tiny area of the city, have come and gone. Some of the road names might have changed to reflect the uses of that road by subsequent generations, but the main street plan is still essentially unchanged. Just look at that road plan. You see how Silver Street and Claskett Gate almost converge together on the eastern side? If you've ever waited at the lights on Silver Street in the near side lane and done that tight uphill bend into Claskett Gate, you'll appreciate what a bottleneck this plot of land is. As well as St Peter at Arches, an ancient church which once stood roughly where the Edinburgh Wool Mill now stands opposite Binns. Is it Binns now or House of Fraser? Sorry. As well as St Peter's anyway, there was also a long vanished church called Holy Trinity tucked away somewhere in the eastern corner of this triangle, made by Claskett Gate and Silver Street. It had a substantial churchyard which covered much of this area, 
and it seems that this churchyard was later used by merchants to hold their clue market. I've talked on several grid squares about triangular or funnel-shaped plots of land around the city being used as marketplaces, such as Newland in the west, Bargate in the south, and Newport to the north. Well, this clue market is similarly situated on the edge of the medieval city, this time on its eastern side. All over Lincoln, as with many other medieval towns, areas became specifically given over to particular markets, dependent on the geography and proximity to services. Near here there used to be several beast markets, which were close to the city gates through which farmers would drive their cattle, sheep, pigs and poultry, etc., from the surrounding farms beyond the walls. Remember, in the days before refrigerated lorries, the best way to sell fresh meat was to sell it when it was still living. The fish markets were near the river, the fruit and veg markets near the market gardens, fields and orchards, and as we have here, the clue, or thread market, was close to the Witham, where imported silks, wools, cottons and other threads could be brought into the city from around the country and the wider medieval world. The clue market wasn't one of the oldest markets around here, though, as it appears to have been overlaid on the pre-existing church precincts. Clue means thread. It's interesting, actually, that it's a thread market rather than a cloth market. It suggests that the market must have supported a thriving weaving population already established in Lincoln, who wanted to buy the raw material for their trade. Don't forget, our city is alive and well in popular legend, as the producer of Lincoln green cloth, which hid Robin and his chums so effectively in the forests of Sherwood. Throughout the medieval era, cloth production became ever more industrialised, as looms grew in tandem with demand, and so once the temporary markets were established, makeshift stalls probably progressed to covered booths, semi-permanent structures which didn't have to depend on the weather. Over a long period of time, the status of the church and its churchyard eventually declined. In 1428, there were apparently only ten citizens in Holy Trinity Parish, and then it was destroyed by Henry VIII's men during the Reformation, like so many of Lincoln's medieval churches. As business flourished, later generations of traders may have been able to replace the booths with actual buildings, which could house workshops and storage, as well as front-of-house business. Archaeologists believe this to have happened round here, and, perhaps like them, when your neck sat in traffic on Silver Street, you might consider what earlier structures, as well as earlier parishioners, lie behind and beneath the frontages of the estate agents and bridal shops of today's grid square. Lincoln A to Z CB3 so this is Lincoln A to Z, uh, but before we leave you on this very brief but special edition uh, of the A to Z, we've just time to hear what the delicious Treff Davis has to say. CB3 Claskit Gate. I'm a bit gutted to find that the collection, our wonderful museum, only just touches CB3, which is the Claskit Gate grid, and I feel it doesn't have enough of a present to merit inclusion in this piece, which is a shame. However... We do have the magnificent Theatre Royal, which stands squarely in the centre of the grid, so we can talk about that. As a slight aside, about 25 years ago, Phil Cool and Jasper Carrot were appearing in the Theatre Royal, and one day after their show they ended up at the Raj Duth in the Bale for a curry. My mates Terry, Aid and I were in there having a meat madras after a few beers at the Prince of Wales, when all of a sudden there was a big commotion in the next booth to us. A camera was produced, and all the waiters took it in turns to have their photos taken with the diners in the booth, who were, of course, the aforementioned Messrs Cool and Carrot. We protested that we were regular customers and that they'd never bothered with taking photos of us, so the staff obliged. For the years that the restaurant stayed open, they had a photo collage on the wall that contained mostly pictures of the waiters with Phil Cool and Jasper Carrot, but also one in the corner of me, Aid, and Terry. 
Now, it's a little-known fact that I have been in two two-week runs at the Theatre Royal. Before we had kids, I was in the Chaos, or the County Amateur Operatic and Dramatic Society. I can't dance for Tuffy, but I can sing. I was in Guys and Dolls and Anything Goes. In the former, I actually opened the show. I was stood there on the stage as the curtain went up, tossing a coin, looking like the gangster I was. That was a pretty high-pressure role, even though I was just in the chorus. Tossing that coin in front of thousands of people in the audience without dropping it was not easy. OK, it was only a few hundred people, but you know what I mean. They were great times. You can see why people want to get into the acting game. The buzz you get from the audience is fantastic. The high point of the show was the Sit Down, You're Rocking the Boat number, which was a fantastic song with about eight-part harmony, and it always got a terrific cheer from the crowd. So much so, and because we enjoyed singing it so much, that some nights we used to sing it twice. Hey, why not? They were great days. On other occasions, we used to take the kids to the panto on Boxing Day, but unfortunately that era didn't last long, and the kids soon decided it wasn't cool to be taken there by their parents. <laughs> Seen a few good acts over the years. Humphrey Littleton, the great jazz man, was terrific. Basil Brush was good, too, fair play, and child number four was picked to go on stage and take part in the show, as they do. Haven't been for a while now. Perhaps it's time to head on down to Claskett Gate again. For the people all said, sit down, sit down, you're rocking a boat. The people all said, sit down, sit down, you're rocking a boat. Sammy Davis Jr. there teaching us a thing or two about singing with Sit Down, You're Rocking the Boat from the 1976 forecast recording of Guys and Dolls. We'll play that for Treff, who you can find out more uh, if you go to Philosopher on tap.com type that into whatever device you have to hand it's also worth noting that i've been in guys and dolls but i would say that wouldn't i uh, and we talked about that in our j13 grid square that covers uh, well mainly tritton road but a tiny bit of the city school that was uh, and you can find that and all our previous podcasts on our fabulous website lincoln a to z dot co dot uk uh, so that's all from this edition of Lincoln A to Z. Next week, the show returns to its normal format and we'll take a look at a grid square in Waddington. Waddo to you and me. Uh, so thanks to Treff and Joe for all their hard work and to you for listening. Lincoln A to Z is a Joe Schmo production for Siren FM. Mm-hmm.